You're listening to a Shockcast original. Shock. Hello and welcome to the Podball Sportscast, the podcast that loves a good Formula One race. With me are uh, Nicholas John. Hello, hello. He's the Ayrton Senna of this podcast. And uh, Karami Kamil. What's happening, guys? He has the talent and hairstyle of Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> I am a Faisal American. I tend to spin my Maivi like Nikita Mazepin. Now, the uh, 2021 Formula One season ended at the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. And uh, just like the previous one, this race was dominated by capital D drama. Max Verstappen won the race to clinch his first world championship title. But uh, the events surrounding it. Let's just say uh, they were questionable. Uh, there were a few incidents in the middle of the race, but let's talk about how it ended. Uh, there was a late safety car period. Lewis Hamilton was leading. Max was behind him. Um, due to some, uh, there were some questionable decisions by the FIA. And when the uh, when full racing resumed, Max overtook Hamilton to win the race and the title. Mercedes appealed to have the results overturned but failed. Uh, Nick, what do you think about the whole debacle? Because that is what it is, right? It is debacle. But debacle aside, what an ending to the season, man. I mean, regardless of which camp you belong to, you have to admit that this was one of the most action-packed, exciting ways uh, to end the season that we've we've seen in a very very long time. Uh, now re- going back to that debacle in our last show, I, I said that I hoped the title wouldn't be decided on a penalty or disqualification. So technically, we had neither of that, but there was plenty of controversy, uh, specifically with that safety car period. Uh, the point of contention is how the race director handled the backmarkers who were between Hamilton and Verstappen. I myself am not entirely sure what happened, but but there was apparently inconsistency in how he interpreted the rules regarding safety cars and backmarkers, and and this resulted in Verstappen closing the gap on Hamilton, like you mentioned, and then o- eventually uh, overtaking him. Uh, and there were some also who were saying that maybe the race should not have been restarted; that they should have just continued behind the safety car for the final lap until the checkered flag. In which case, that would have uh, benefited Hamilton. But you know what? At the end of the day, what is done is done. And the way I look at it, both Verstappen and Hamilton would have been worthy champions. You know, they the, these two by far were the best drivers on the grid. No one else even came close. So in that sense, at least for me personally as a neutral, because I, I don't support Hamilton or Verstappen. I, I was just watching this as a neutral. I do not feel a sense of injustice that Verstappen won it over Hamilton and, and vice versa. You know, if Hamilton had won it, I would have said the same thing. Both worthy champions would it have been better if there was no controversy definitely uh but at the same time you also have to remember that this was not a controversy of their doing you know on the track both Verstappen and Hamilton did exceptionally well they raced a good race and and, and kept it uh, about as clean as these two drivers can keep it like you know it, it's just unfortunate that the race director had to come in and spoil the party for them I agree. On the whole, Max has certainly deserved it. Um, he was great all season, but it does make you think, right? There'll always be an asterisk to his uh, Champions League win. Yeah, hi. This is uh, Faisal from the future here. Um, I noticed that I misspoke just now, so I'll just do a little bit of editing. It'll be so subtle you'll never notice the difference. 
Okay, rewind a bit. But it does make you think, doesn't it? Uh, there will always be an asterisk to this uh, championship win, right? With an alleged assist by the uh, FIA. There you go, flawless editing. Regardless, uh, Max is the first champion not named Lewis Hamilton since 2017 and the uh, first non-Mercedes champion since 2014. Next year's race will be entirely different. Uh, new rules are in place, so it'll be interesting to see what happens, right? Yeah, new rules with uh, aerodynamics and engines and all that. Um, so, I mean, on the one hand, it would appear that this can level the playing field a little bit, you know, these new regulations. But then again, also having said that, teams like Mercedes and Red Bull simply have, have too big a budget to actually fall behind significantly. So while we don't know who exactly will dominate, I think you can safely guess that it's going to be Mercedes or Red Bull. And then, you know, maybe throw Ferrari in the mix as mm -hmm. well, uh, you know, just, just in terms of, of resources. Because F1, unfortunately, remains all about the money and it's teams like Mercedes and Red Bull who who have the cash, you know. So yes, the changes can level the playing field further down the field a little bit, but I I think it's still going to be down to to Red Bull and Mercedes, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah and it'll also be interesting to see how the teams uh, bend the rules this time around. <laughs> we'll talk more about the uh, 2022 season when it starts, and uh, when we read up more about the new regulations. <laughs> Now, the uh, Premier League also took place at the weekend. Liverpool came out as a 1-0 winners against Aston Villa with a Mo Salah penalty. It was uh, Villa boss Steven Gerrard's first time back at Anfield since he left the Reds. And uh, Karam, I thought he did well, right? I mean, it's the first time Liverpool only scored one goal at home since uh, Chelsea back in August. Yes, he did. He, he Gerard absolutely did well uh, on his homecoming to Anfield. Um, unfortunately, he lost the match with Villa. His Villa team did put up quite a good, a good fight, although they were at the on their heels for most of the match. Well, we you do know that Liverpool has the quality, right, with the Salas and the Manes, and it's it's refreshing. I I thought it was it was great seeing Gerard being cheered by the Anfield fans, and uh, but the match I thought was a bit. Just a little bit, just a little bit one-sided to Liverpool, uh, and and maybe Liverpool was quite lucky just to get that penalty because Emmy Martinez, the Villa goalkeeper, he was absolutely superb. He was making saves left and right, uh, denying denying close one-on-one uh, one-on-one -on -one situations, long-range shots. So I thought, I thought it was a great, not a great loss for Villa, but it was a great. Performance by Aston Villa. Uh, Liverpool second in the table, one point behind Man City, who beat Wolves a one nil. Chelsea had to fight hard to beat Leeds three two. Jorginho scoring an injury time penalty to rescue all three points. Uh, first win in three matches for the Blues. So knowing uh, Mr. Roman Abramovich, he's safe from the sack for now. Yeah, it, it, this was one that Chelsea really couldn't afford to lose. You know, to avoid falling further back in the title race. And it, it was a very highly entertaining uh, match to watch. You mentioned Jorginho netting the winner uh, in, in stoppage time. There were, I think, three converted penalties in all, if I'm not mistaken, in, in this one match. Uh, and like I said, the, the Blues really needed this, uh, especially after their recent uh, defeat to West Ham. Losing here would have seen them drop, I think, too far for comfort behind uh, Liverpool and Man City. Right now, they're just closely following behind the, the Reds. So, yeah, a, a crucial win for for Thomas Tuchel's side and, and credit to them for pushing right till the end. And also, 
uh, credit to Jorginho for holding his nerve to score that, that winning penalty late on. Chelsea are third while Leeds are in 15th. Uh, Man United are in fifth place after a 1-0 win over Norwich. Uh, they were saved by a Ronaldo penalty and some good saves from David De Gea as well. Fourth place, West Ham had a goalless draw against Burnley. Leicester thumped Newcastle 4-0. Arsenal beat Southampton 3-0. And uh, Tottenham's match against Brighton was postponed uh, because of Spurs' COVID outbreak. Now, it remains to be seen if Spurs can play in their uh, midweek clash against Leicester. Uh, Nick, we were talking about this briefly before we uh, started recording, and uh, you called it the COVID derby, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Spurs has a COVID outbreak. Leicester has a COVID outbreak. Um, Just, I mean, I, I hope common sense prevails at the end, and that if both teams are unable to field a competitive team, then I, I think that the match should be postponed because there's no point you go and put out like a half-baked team and then you, especially at this crucial stage of the season, because you want to avoid what happened in that match. Uh, where was that? In in, in the Portuguese league, where, yes. where they had what, five, they, they, they put in what, eight yeah, players or something yeah, right? because of Benfica. the COVID outbreak. Yeah, I think it was Benfica versus Belenenses. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, that yeah. was an absolute farce. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if the... The, 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 your your main most of your main players are available then fine but if it's a serious enough outbreak well they could always rely on their under 13s you never know <laughs> <laughs> also uh, Arsenal are at home against West Ham now this is one game that could make or break a top 4 campaign yes and uh, West Ham has, has I think has faced a blip a bit because they drew against Burnley uh, which is which is uh, not a good result for, for David Moyes and company because um, they've been playing quite well. Um, maybe they're just fatigued right now because matches are coming fast. So I hope that West Ham can get back to their old form. And Arsenal, uh, Arsenal is, is a tricky team, you know. And until they sorted out Aubameyang's performance, then they, I think Arsenal can only break the top four. If Aubameyang is still goalless and still not showing his true, true form, true ability, things are going to be very, very tricky for Arteta and Arsenal. Right, so catch your favourite teams and Man United in action live on Astro. Finally, uh, Malaysia lost 3-0 to Vietnam for their first defeat in the AFF Cup. Uh, Before the match, coach Tan Cheng Ho said this will be the uh, team's uh, first real test in the competition and uh, boy, was he right. He was definitely right and uh, that match showed the different of class between Vietnam and Malaysia because Vietnam is currently ranked 99th in the FIFA rankings while Malaysia is uh, 150-something. I can't remember. The number is too much for me. (laughs) And based on the performance, uh, Vietnam totally, totally overrun the match, overrun Malaysia. They held the ball brilliantly. When they don't have the ball, they they press Malaysian players very, 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 very well. They high they high press the Malaysian players, and you can see the the different class of techniques be, uh, between Malaysian players and the Vietnamese because Malaysians are the Malaysians had a hard time just to keep just to make two three passes consecutively, you know, and n- let alone make forward passes. So uh, the injury to Ideal Zafwan in the in the first half did not help Malaysia at all. Uh, the inclusion of Dominic Tan, I think he wasn't ready. I think. He, the, the, his nerves got the best of him. Uh, eight minutes after he came onto the pitch, Malaysia Malaysia conceded their first goal, and not long again, not long after that, they conceded the second. 
Um, Cheng Ho did make a few substitutions coming into the second half just to change the match a bit. Uh, the players did well. The players who came on did well, but not enough to get more goals for uh, to get goals for Malaysia. Karam, can I just add on that? We've yeah. had a few uh, COVID cases among the players. How much do you think this has affected their campaign this time around? Eh? It totally affected the team because AFF allowed 30 players to be brought for the tournament, but Malaysia decided to only bring 24 players. So now four players are down with COVID. Two of them uh, played quite a big part in the first two matches. One of them was Akhya Rashid. And then Junior Estal came down with an injury. To make matters worse, Malaysia have not enough midfield players, true midfield players in the squad, which makes Badrul Bhaktia and Mukhairi Ajmal needs to play a lot more during the campaign, which is not good if they make it deep into the into the tournament. So you make a good point, Nick. If Malaysia, Cheng Ho or the team brought more players, I don't think they would be in this in this predicament. With that, we come to the end of another Potball Sportscast. Thanks for tuning in. I am Faisal Merigan. I am Karami Kamil. And I'm Nicholas Jobb.